Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. We exist to lead people to the abundant life in Christ. For a great way to stay connected throughout the week, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Welcome to Coast Life Church. We're so glad that you're with us. And come on, before you're seated, would you give everybody that's here for the first time a great hand? Say thank you so much for being in the room with us. And you guys can be seated as you're being seated. I just want to take one minute and I, I want to pray and prepare our hearts for God's word this weekend. I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to present to you the Word of God. And I I love these weekends where we get to utilize a little technology to bring the message and the Word of God. And how many of you know that the, the power isn't in the method, the power is in the message, that there is power in God's Word. And so today I'm praying, come on, I want to ask you to do something. We asked this question, but I'm going to ask you to do it. Come on, open your heart. Get ready. Receive the word of God today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the incredible opportunity that we take so casually, and that is just simply to open the word of God, to have at our fingertips the eternal, the living, the powerful word of God. This is your word for our life, and today we're good ground. God, sow the seed of the word of God into our lives and we receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. If you receive it, come on, give God a great, great praise in the room. Coast Life family, I'm so thankful that you're here this weekend. And this weekend, we are in part two of a collection called Wait Till I Get My Money Right. Just wait, everybody. Just you're not going to believe the person I'm going to be. And I want to I want to go to Psalm chapter one, and I'm going to read verse three to get our time together. I've had it in my heart to talk about money, and when you talk about money, there's something, there's things that we instantly go to in in our minds, and 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 things like if you've been around church for a while, and you're like, hey, a pastor, the church is going to talk about money, so you're going to tell me to do these couple of things, and and, and yes, there, there's biblical principles we talk about all the time because they're biblical principles. But what I want to do through this collection or what I'm praying that we can do is I wanted to back up and just look at what does God's word say about money? Like what's, what's the theology that God's word gives us to money? Because I can promise you this, that what we're receiving, the, the mindset that we're receiving about money, the, the attitude that we're caring about money that we get from culture, it's not going to take you to a good place, but come on, God's word will take you to a good place in your life, give you a right thinking about how to handle finances, give you a right attitude towards, towards blessing, towards finances, towards money. And today I want to go to Psalm chapter 1, verse 3. I love this portion of scripture, such an incredible, powerful portion of scripture. And Psalm 1 verse 3 just simply says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And this is my favorite part, in all that he does. He prospers. How many of you want to receive that word for your life today, that everything that you do prospers? And I want to preach a message this weekend called God Wants to Prosper 
you. Come on, just look at your neighbor real quick, real quick. Yes, we are that kind of church that makes you talk to your neighbor real quick. Just say, God wants you to prosper. Come on, I believe it. God, God wants you to prosper. And, and I fully realize when I title a message that way that it's sort of a little bit of clickbait. I know that. That, that it's going to provoke a reaction uh, from some people internally, there's going to be a response. And, and for honestly, for a lot of people, and I, I kind of wrestled whether I wanted to go there and then we're Coast Life Church. So we're going to go there in Jesus' name. And because I know that, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect people. And my goal isn't to just bother people or, or to affect people negatively, but I just want to lean into something. Because I think there's a word that we need to reclaim and we need to redeem in the church, and it's the word prosperity. And somehow, prosperity has become a dirty word, and it's actually a beautiful word, it's actually a biblical word, and it's actually got part of God's plan for your life. And, and I understand when I use the word prosperity, uh, that that word in the church world has seen its excesses and seen its abuses, but I would also submit back in the 80s, everything was excessive. Have you seen hairstyles from the 80s? Like there's a hole in the ozone just from the hairspray that was used in the 80s. And for a lot of people, it's, it's part of a culture that's very negative and very toxic towards the view of money. We, we sort of dealt with that last week. I want to encourage you to check out every part of this collection. And, but, but what I want you to understand is that the Bible never postures prosperity as a negative thing. The Bible only postures prosperity as a positive thing. That it, that it, never, it never postures the idea of prospering as as being an ungodly thing, as being a wicked thing, as being a negative thing. In fact, the Bible always promises and talks about, come on, God's people prospering, God's people stepping into places of prosperity, that God having prosperity for our lives. But in order for us to understand prosperity, you you have to understand, and this is why I wanted to not just talk about just a few principles around money. I want to just talk back up and look at a total picture as best we can in just a few weeks, look really what I would call a a systematic look at at the theology of money. And in order to do that, you have to to look at prosperity's counterpart and and see what it is, because here is the negative, here's the negative word the Bible gives us around finances. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 11, I want you to notice this, and it says, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Again, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 15, it says the poverty of the poor is their ruin. And so the counterpart in the Bible to prosperity is poverty. That, that there, there is a negative and a toxic word that the Bible calls poverty. And I want to pause right here because first of all, we just need to establish God loves the poor. 
He loves those who are maybe in a season where they're experiencing financial difficulty or they're in places where there's lack and there's scarcity. And that's why the Bible tells us that the gospel is good news to the poor because your circumstances don't disqualify you from an eternal life, a full inheritance in God's kingdom, that it doesn't matter how little money you have, that you don't need any money to obtain everything that God has for your life, that it is not what your money can buy you. Come on, it is what your faith can receive in your life. And so the gospel is good news to the poor. There is hope. Everything that God has for you, it is not based on your external circumstances. It is based on your internal circumstances. And God absolutely loves you and is for you. And he's called his church, come on, to rally around the poor. And that's why we attack global poverty. That's why we do as much as we can to help people. So when the Bible talks about poverty, it isn't speaking negatively of people. It's identifying a negative condition called poverty. And just a a, a simple definition of poverty is poverty is a deficiency of necessary things. It's it's scarcity and lack. It's just that that place of, of never having enough, not, not having the things that you need, not having the, the crucial elements of life. And I, I don't have time to go into all of it, but in Genesis chapter 3, we find out that poverty is the product of sin. And that man fell, and through the fall of man, poverty entered the world. Because this is really important to understand, God created a world without deficiency. God created a world without scarcity. God created a world that didn't have lack in it. And it it was sin, it it was the, the, the ramifications of the fall of sin that brought on the condition of, of poverty in our world that brought on this idea that there can be places in our world, there can be places in our life where there is an absolute, de- God didn't create it, but there is the reality that there can be a de- deficiency, that there can be lack, that there can be scarcity, that there can be poverty. And that was the world after Genesis chapter three. But that's why in Genesis 22, God came to Abraham and he told Abraham, Abraham, I, I, I see. I want. I know you see the world that you're in. I know you see the reality of the circumstances of life. But I want you to understand who I am. And in, Je- in Genesis 22, he told Je- he told Abraham, "I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the God of provision. I'm not the God of poverty. I'm not the God of lack. I'm not the God of scarcity. I am the God of provision. And we believe with all of our hearts. He's not just the God of enough. He is the God of more than enough. He's the God of." He's the God of abundantly. He's the God of excess. He's the God that makes your cut run over. He's the God that makes sure there's 12 baskets of bread left over. After he's fed 5,000 people, there's still leftovers because that's the kind of God that we serve. So we need to get it right. Scarcity and poverty comes from the world. But come on, provision belongs to our God. He's a kind God. He's a generous God. He's a God of abundance. And it's, it's against the backdrop of poverty that the Bible introdu- introduces us to what God has for our lives, and that is this idea of prospering. And, and our problem in our world today, it, it isn't the word prosperity, which, which carries such a negative context for so many people. 
But here's, here's our problem, is we either have an incomplete or a misapplied understanding of the word prosperity. We, we just simply don't understand it. And I want to give you, I want to give you six keys to, to what I believe is true prosperity. Six, six keys to true prosperity. And my, and my prayer is that, that maybe one of these or a few of these may, may find where you're at. Not, not to condemn you or to make you feel bad because maybe there's an area of your life. My, my goal is that you would see it and that God would challenge you, inspire you, and get you to a place where you've got the motivation, come on, to take some steps of faith and say, God has greater for me. God has more for me. So if one of these finds you and it's like, man, I, I, I'm okay in this area, but I've got some work to do. Listen, there's no condemnation on that. We're just trying to bring options to you so you can know God has greater things things in store for your life. And, and the first one, and I would posture this as the most important key to, to biblical prosperity. And this, again, it's not the world's definition of prosperity. It's the Bible's definition of prosperity. And number one is this, is that your soul is prospering. In 3 John chapter, chapter 1, there's only one chapter, but verse 2, John writes to his friend, and, and you just see the heart of the word of God and you can say, oh, well, this is John writing to a friend. Well, we know this is the Holy Spirit writing through John to all of us. And John said, beloved, I don't know if you know this or not, but you are God's beloved. And beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. But I want you to notice what he says, just as your soul prospers. I pray that your soul prospers. And the most common mistake that we make when we talk about prosperity is we define prosperity as a sole definition of money. That, that money is the sole definition of how we define what prosperity is. And, and the Bible tells us that true, true prosperity isn't just a financial situation, it's a condition of your soul. That that this is a reality, and it's that you can have an abundance in your bank account, but still have poverty in your soul. You can, you can finally, and so many of us have gotten there, you can finally, maybe you get to a place where you got a little money in your accounts, and maybe you finally built up a little bit of savings, and you're starting to gain some ground in retirement, with like, oh man, you're prospering, but just because you're starting to build up some accounts, it doesn't mean that you don't have poverty in your thinking. It doesn't mean that you don't have poverty in your attitude. And, and one of the dangers of our worldly view of prosperity is that we think that if I keep getting more money, that at some point it will solve the scarcity of my soul. And it's why, unfortunately, we see, we see it on, on, on news all the time. People who had an abundance of wealth, an abundance of fame, and an abundance of possessions, we find out that there was actually a scarcity that was happening in their soul because it's not prosperity if you don't have peace. It's not prosperity if you don't have joy. It's not prosperity if you don't have faith. It's not prosperity if you're living a life that's hopeless. It's not prosperity if you don't have a vibrant, rich, fulfilling relationship with the God of heaven. Listen, there is no prosperity outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, 
I just wanted to give you, like, I think these are just a couple of quick questions to help determine, is there, is there poverty in my soul? And, and the first question is this, and how, how do you tell if, if, if you're living a, a life where your soul is prospering? And number one is, can you hear the voice of God? You know, Jesus said, John 10, the same passage where he said, I came that they might have abundant life. Just before that, you know what he said? He said, they're my sheep and my sheep hear my voice. That that there's such a vibrant relationship with me that they can differentiate all the voices of the world. Even when those voices are trying to sound biblical, no, his sheep hear his voice and we know where God's voice is leading us. We know how to hear the voice of God. Here's the second question, I think, to determine whether or not our soul is prospering. The first is, can you really hear the voice of God? And the second is, do you experience the presence of God? Are you able to get into a church service and when the songs begin to be sung and people begin to worship, are you able to enjoy and experience the presence of God? Listen, when no one's around and there is absolutely no one singing or playing an instrument, do you have the ability to by yourself get into a place where you can enjoy the presence of God, where you can go be ministered to? Because here's what the Bible says, Psalm 1611, it says, you make known to me the power of life. And watch this. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And the reason why it's so important that your soul prospers is because if you can experience the presence of God, the presence of God is where there is fullness in your life. That it doesn't matter what you're walking through. Come on, if I can get to the presence of God, there's going to be something there for me to receive. And I just want to give somebody some encouragement. Your bank account may not be overflowing right now and the world would tell you you're not prospering but I want to promise you if you have access to the presence of God you've got access to so much fullness the fullness of God's grace come on peace is going to meet you there joy is going to find you there there's going to be hope that is ministered to your soul God's grace is coming you're going to hear the voice of God because it's just the power of the presence of God that's where our fullness is at that's where our overflow is at is I can be completely depleted in this life become a one moment in the presence of God and all of a sudden my joy is full again and my peace is overflowing and I feel the grace of God and there's so much that happens and the Bible just teaches us it's access to the presence of God the right hand of God is the authority the power that's where the fullness is at and that's why it's so important not that we just are prospering in every area of our life but we're prospering in our soul And soul poverty is needing material things or a substance to to, to try to provide what only God's presence can provide. It's like I need need something. I need a material thing. I need a bigger home. I need a better vacation or I need a substance. I need some type of drug or I need some type of substance to, to provide, come on, what is already plentiful in the presence of God. It's, it's those, those soul moments where God's priority is, and my prayer for you and with John's prayer for you is, beloved, I pray above all things that your soul would be prospering. Here's the second key that I think is so important, and it's having godliness with contentment. Here's how Paul defined godliness with contentment. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, he said, and I want you to notice this. 
but godliness with contentment is great gain. If you've got godliness and you've got contentment, you're moving forward in your life. You're, 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 you're gaining ground. You're taking territory just by having those two things in your life. And so what is, what is godliness? We throw that word out there, and it can mean a million things to a million different people. But godliness is simply just a life of worship to God. That there's, there's no other thing that is worthy of my worship. There's no other thing that is worthy of my devotion that I worship the true God of heaven. That's what godliness is. And then sort of beyond that, it means I live a lifestyle of worship. It's not just something I do sporadically, but come on, my whole life is lived for the one true God of heaven. It's, it's, it's godliness. And then Paul said, if you've got godliness, you're, you're living a life where you're, you're a lifestyle worshiper. You, come on, you go to work in the name of Jesus. You raise your family in the name of, like everything about you is God honoring. You're trying to honor God. And then he said, if you find this place of godliness and you find this place of contentment, you're going to gain some ground in your life. And, and, and contentment is something that's so misunderstood, but it just simply means a place of self-sufficiency. That, that contentment is when, when there is no, there's nothing outside of me that I need in order to feel like me. Contentment is, is simply not being dominated by your circumstances. That there's, there's nothing external that can cause you to feel less than or incomplete or something, nothing that can cause you to feel like you're in despair. And this will happen every once in a while. But you ever, you ever experienced something that whatever it was, it just makes you feel so small? Maybe you've experienced something and it just made you feel like you didn't have any worth or, or any value, made you feel less than. You know what that's doing? It's challenging your contentment. It's, it's causing you to get to a place of thinking that in order for me to be fulfilled, in order for me to be me and do what I'm supposed to do, then there's something outside of me that I need to get that there's something, there's some material thing, there's some circumstance. And, and it's so important to understand that contentment isn't settling. Contentment is just not striving. That when we're not, when we lose contentment, we start striving for things. We're, 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 we're reaching for things out of our own effort because if I don't get there, then it feels like there's some calamity. There's some disaster. If, if this doesn't happen on my timeline, then, then everything, everything is lost. And listen, that's not the place God has for you. God wants you to be in a place of contentment. And contentment also isn't settling. It's not that we aren't believing for more. It's not, not that we're not reaching for greater things and believing leaving for God for great things. Watch this. It's just that our identity isn't attached to it. That our joy and our fulfillment, our peace, isn't attached to our external circumstances. Go back to point number one. Our joy, our peace, our hope isn't attached to a circumstance. It's attached to the presence of God. That's why Paul said, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, he said, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation, come on, whatever circumstance I'm to be content, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and here's the secret, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen. 
listen, prosperity isn't a condition of your bank account. It's not being dominated by your circumstances. Every time negative circumstances comes into your life, it doesn't crush you. It doesn't kill your faith. It doesn't melt you down. It doesn't dissolve your security. It doesn't take away your strength. It just simply causes you to step back into a place and say, I've got strength that doesn't come from my circumstances, that there's a God on the inside of me who is more than enough. And Jesus is where my contentment lies. Jesus is where my security lies. Jesus is where my strength lies. So my circumstances may come and go, but every time a negative circumstance happens to me, it's not robbing me. It's not destroying my faith and melting down my identity because come on, I've got a strength on the inside. I've got godliness and I've got contentment and I can face the circumstance. And my identity isn't based on my circumstances. It's based on Jesus on the inside of me. Here's the third thing that I think is really important. Number three is this, is prospering in your purpose and calling. It's it's simply prospering in in what God has called you to be and do. I, I love this verse, Psalm 92, 12 through 15. It says, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. And I I believe that there are a lot of people that are experiencing a poverty of purpose. And a poverty of purpose causes an extreme lack of fulfillment. And I think a lot of us feel the lack of fulfillment, but we don't know how to bring the fulfillment into our life. And that's where the poverty of purpose comes from. I hope you know this, and if nobody's ever told you this, you were put on this earth for a purpose. In fact, you are a purpose. God doesn't create anything that is purposeless. And, and, and yes, you know, all the things that we look at, listen, there's a, there's a, there's a reason, a place of fulfillment. And it's so simple because it's, in some sense, the will of God is the same for everyone. Now, there's a personal application for your life based on your gifts and talents, but all of us are called to the same things. And that is, you were made to worship. You were made to worship God. You were created to be a part of his house. And you may, you may feel like an outsider. You may feel like there's no place for you. But can I just pastor you for a moment and just tell you, you, you belong here. You belong in God's house. You, you belong. And there's an enemy that will, will discourage you. There's an enemy that will absolutely try to sow every toxic thought he can because he doesn't want you to find your place. Because watch this. When you find your place, you'll fulfill your purpose. It's, it's the will of God for your life? Are you, are you prospering in the will of God? Are you prospering in your purpose? If you've never been to Growth Track, I want to encourage you, visit the Connect Tent out front. Listen, purpose isn't something that you go find. Purpose is something that is just forged in your life. It, it, it comes out of your life by being planted in the right place. And every time the enemy's trying to move you and uproot you and, and 
pluck you out. Come on, where you find your purpose is being planted in a place of where I'm a consistent worshiper of God. I'm planted in God's house. I am planted in biblical community, that I am planted in a place where I am not living my life just for the things that I want to do, but there is a greater purpose over my life called the kingdom of God. I want to promise you, if you'll just find that place, you'll begin to prosper in your purpose. Some of us may be prospering in those things, and we need to hear the next few. Because the Bible doesn't just simply define prosperity as being a condition of our soul and a place of contentment and a place of of purpose. Number four is this, is here's how the Bible describes true prosperity, and that is you aren't enslaved to debt. That, That debt is it the thing that's ruling your life? And I, I, want, I want you to look at this Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 6. It says, for the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. God said, I'm going to make you the lender, come on, and not the borrower. I'm going to cause you to be able to be able to lend, and you're not going to need to be able to borrow. Proverbs 22, 7 gives us the reason why. It says the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And I I believe that's God's word for someone's life, that God wants to put you in a position that you're not the one that's in lack needing to be lended to. Come on, you're the one that God has put in the position where you're the bank. God has blessed you enough that you're able to be generous, you're able to lend, you're able to get to the place where God, where money is a place that you can have enough to do the things that God has called you to do. And debt is a place where God's blessing is constantly being consumed in your life. That, that it's always, every time you get, there is something that is consuming it. And I just want to take a minute. One of the things that we wanted to do through this collection called Wait Till I Get My Money Right is we are running a really special season of Financial Peace University. We, we don't do Financial Peace University in the summer typically, but we didn't want to do a message and a collection like this without giving you some practical next steps. And if you've never been to Financial Peace University, if you don't have a really good game plan for your money and a vision for where it's going to go, I want encourage you, would you give us the next 10 weeks just to come alongside of you and help you put together a plan of next steps that will take you, whatever your financial aspect is, come on, God's vision for your life isn't that you need to borrow. God's vision for your life is that you can be your own bank and that you can be the person that can finance things and you can be the person that can be generous. And so many of, people, so many of us are, li- are living with the locusts. You know, when the Bible talks about the locusts, if you think about a locust, a swarm of locusts will just come in and will devour. If you've ever seen a tree that's been infested with locusts, where there was, where there was green leaves, where there was stuff thriving and flourishing, it just comes in and eats up every bit of it. And I just believe that for so many of us, that debt is the locust that has been just devouring everything in our life. But I want to encourage you, go to Financial Peace University, get anchored in biblical principle in the word of God because God's word will help you destroy the destroyer in your life and realize, come on, God's got greater provision for your life. And here's here's number five. The true definition of prosperity is you have both earthly and spiritual investments. 
that, that both of those, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. A, a, a foolish man uses and consumes everything that comes in to his life, but a wise person begins to make some investments, begins to create a space where there is things that are being invested in, savings that are happening, investments that are taking place. And, and then Matthew chapter 6, 19, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but come on, store up treasures in heaven. Store up eternal treasures. So the question then is, do I make investments here on earth or do I make investments in heaven? And the answer is yes. <laughs> it's yes. We, we, we make investments here, but we also don't forget that God's called us to make eternal investments. Jesus talked about the man who built bigger towers and bigger storehouses and his whole life was consumed with just getting more and more and more and more. It's not a negative against, against having earthly investments. Jesus is just teaching us, don't just focus on earthly investments. Also realize that there are eternal investments and investments have, have savings and it uses my money to make money. And some of you have the gift to use money to make money and you need to have the goal. I want to use money to make money. Come on. So I can give more money to what God has for me. And the only negative context of scripture that God gives us towards investments is when our only focus is on how much more investment in earth can we get? And we have no heavenly and eternal investment. And there's only one thing that is eternal. And that is when I invest into the kingdom of God, listen, all of this stuff that I have on earth, it's got a shelf life. It's going to come to an end, but come on, the things that I do for the kingdom of God, I'm going to see them again in eternity. I'm going to see it in the faces of people that I gave. And because I gave, they were able to hear the gospel and they have eternal life because of my giving. But not only that, there is reward. God is going to reward you that there is going to be a return on investment for the eternal things that we do. And the Bible just encourages us, come on, there is more than enough for us to have. We don't live in a place of scarcity. We don't live in a world of lack. There is more than enough, more than enough for me to have earthly investments, be investing for my future, be investing for my family, trying to provide a better world for my children. And oh, by the way, with the other hand, I've got it investing into the kingdom of God. I'm moving the church forward. I'm moving the kingdom of God forward. There's actually more than enough. And the sixth one is this. This is the sixth key to true biblical prosperity, and that's just simply living a God-first life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 talks about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Listen to me. The prioritization of God is the beginning of living a life of faith that overcomes poverty. How do I break poverty? I put God first. You know what that says? In a world that says there's scarcity and lack, I say, God, I put you first, and I believe that you are the God that is more than enough. I believe there's more than enough. I believe there's provision. 
Listen, putting God first in my time daily, putting God first in my weekly calendar. That means I'm in church on Saturday. I'm in church on Sunday. There's a whole lot of things to accomplish, but there's going to be plenty for me because I'm going to put God first. It's putting God first in my finances. We call that tithing, the first 10%. I take the first 10%. I put God first. And when I do that, I break every mindset of poverty. I break every mindset of scarcity. I break every mindset of lack. And I say, God, you are more than enough. You will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging bread that you are going to prosper me. Come on, I'm going to be the head and not the tail. I'm going to be above and not beneath. I'm going to be the lender and I'm not going to be the borrower because you are the God, not just of enough. You are the God of more than enough. And everything that I need, everything that I need, is going to be added to me. Come on, if you receive that today, would you stand on your feet all over the room? Would you just give God praise right now? Just give him praise and thank him for his word. And I want to take, I want to take one minute because I, I want to pray. I, I, I don't want this to just be a, a little message and we take a few notes. I, I want this to be a day of turning for somebody's life. I, I've really been praying that this would be a day where generational cycles would be broken in some people's lives. Poverty runs through generations. Poverty thinking, scarcity, lack. And sometimes when we talk about debt and if you're struggling, it feels condemning. Listen, shame off of you. There is no shame. That maybe we, we've all had seasons where we're wanting things and you may even feel condemned for wanting. Listen, it's okay to desire more. Just don't let it be a part of an identity. Before that, before that blessing comes, before that thing happens, you are fully and completely you in Christ. You don't need one more thing in your life to be exactly the man, the woman God created you to be. But I want to pray for somebody because I believe, I believe right now there may be somebody kicking themselves because of decisions you've made financially, because of stress and weight you're carrying. And I just want to tell you right now in this space, even as I'm speaking these words, I feel, I feel the tender presence of God trying to minister to somebody's heart right now. And I just want you to know God loves you. He loves you so much. You, you might be upset about your circumstances that you've gone through. You might even be sort of bitter and angry with God. And in grace and in love, I just, I just want to gently remind you that that is, that is a poverty spirit. That God, God cares for you. God has great things for you. God is for you and not against you. And if nobody's told you this, I want you to hear it. God wants to prosper you. God wants to bless you. God wants to release blessing over your life. And my prayer for you is that you would be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. Come on, in every season, you are fresh, you are thriving, you are flourishing, and you are prospering in Jesus' name. And if you have a financial need in your life, I'm going to pray for you right now. Maybe even you're believing for something. For whatever reason, a while ago, I just got fired up about people owning their own home. And I've been praying for young couples in our church that I know of. And maybe you're not a young couple, but whoever you are, I've been, I've been, I want our single uh, people, come on, don't wait till you're married. Let's get, let's get, let's get good investments. Let's get to a good place. 
investment. If, you, if you're believing God for a home, if you're believing God for some breakthrough in your finances, there was another phrase that just got in my heart, and that is, I am believing God for your life, for my life, for our church. I am believing for absolute breakthrough finances in the name of Jesus. That God's provision is going to be released in your life. Come on. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now over every person that's in this room. God, I pray. I pray that you give us strength. God, I pray that as we flourish in our soul, God, there is, no, there is nothing that causes us to not flourish in our soul. I pray as we flourish in our soul. I pray right now that your, your presence will be poured out, that there will be the vision that will come into our hearts and lives, vision of being blessed vision of breaking through. God, maybe thoughts that are toxic, maybe thoughts that are driven by poverty, of believing that you are for us and not against us. That God, you're going to put us in a place where not only are we in a place where we have access to peace and joy, but there's, there's no financial things that are destroying and consuming. And right now, we rebuke the devourer right now in Jesus' name, and we release provision, Father. I pray you release provision right now. I pray you begin to turn some circumstances around right now. I pray that you begin to do some unusual things. God, I pray that you begin to open some doors. I pray that you begin to open the windows of heaven over some lives right now. Father, I pray that you begin to release some favor and some provision. Almighty God, God of heaven, we ask for your blessing. We ask that you would give increase. We ask that you would enlarge our territory. We pray, Father, that you would surround us with favorable circumstances and that we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. I'm going to ask one of our team members, they're going to come and they're going to pray with you because here's what the Bible says. What, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but still lose his soul? In my greatest prayer for you, come on, in this moment, if someone comes to lead us in this moment is that you would find prosperity in your soul and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, if you receive that today, would you give God praise all across the room? Come on, give him some praise. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, come on, give Jesus a shout of praise if you receive that. Have you ever read a scripture and then it explained a previous season in your life? What does it profit a man to gain the world but lose his soul. The first time I heard that, it gave me the, the words to what I had felt when I was 27. See, I'd met Jesus at 19. I gave my life to him. But then I, I walked away. I didn't have a community of people around me. I didn't know how to do this Jesus thing. And so I found myself far from God. And, and at 27, I had a wife, had kids, had the job and the, the career, and we had the vacations. You, if, you, if you looked at my life from the outside, you would say, he's got it. They got it. They've checked all the boxes. They should be happy. They, 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 they should be prospering. Well, in one aspect, we were. There always seemed to be something missing and not a small something like a really big something that if you got into the inside of our story, you would realize that, yeah, we had the marriage, but it was falling apart. 
and we we kept trying to fix it but we just kept hitting dead ends and the divorce was right around the corner yeah we had kids but we didn't want any more because it was overwhelming yeah we had a job but it wasn't doing what everybody said it was supposed to do it wasn't bringing us fulfillment and so yeah we may have checked the boxes but something was missing we no no we we could party we had the money let's go drink let's go do but it was still something was missing we just kept finding ourselves at these dead ends but then somebody just kept inviting us to church hey man come to church I'm like, I'm not going to church. No, 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 man, come on, come come to church. And we had this coworker, and she was just so faithful in her invitations. Every time we were at, at, at our end, there was the invitation, hey, hey, just come to church. And can I just stop for a moment and just say, if you're inviting somebody to church because you know they need this, they need this, and you're right. You just keep inviting them. You just keep praying. You just keep believing because that's God just whispering to you in his still small voice. They need a relationship with me. So you stay faithful and you keep inviting because we were at our end. And she just said one day, why don't you come to church? And I was like, I'm not going to church. My kids spend five days in daycare. Why would I put them in a church daycare? And she looked at me and she said, what's wrong with your children learning about God said okay fine I'll go I walked into a church service just like this heard a message sat there at the end of the message and they had invited a team member up just like this to do the salvation moment and in that moment all of a sudden I felt like I was 19 again I remember the feeling of God all around me, reminding me that I was loved, that he never left me. But ain't it like God? And in one moment, as he's bringing a prodigal home, my wife never had a relationship with Jesus. She's standing there in the same service while God is telling me, hey, son, it's time to come home. It's time for you to lay it down. Hey, listen, it's time for you to come on, come back home. As he's, as he's dealing with the prodigal sitting right there next to me, he was dealing with my wife saying, I love you. I'm here for you. And he left the 99 in the same moment. He was bringing her home because that's what the Holy Spirit can do. It can minister to each and every person in the room and they tell you exactly what you need because God wants your soul to prosper but it's never going to prosper outside of a relationship with Jesus. So if you walked in and you're like, man, there is something missing in my life. Can I tell you what's missing? Jesus is missing out of your life because that's the peace that if that's not there, Nothing, no box check will get you to where you need to be. No job, no career, no relationship. You're always going to feel like you're missing something. Why? Because that's the key. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the key. And I watched. When the moment came for us to pray, I watched as we both, we bowed our heads and we prayed to God. And I was saying, God, I'm ready to come home. And she was saying, Jesus, welcome to my world. I want to make you my leader. And this is what's about to happen in this room. Somebody is about to receive Jesus. And maybe you're like me today. You've been gone for way too long. Can I tell you? Today's the day to come home. Today's the day. The Bible in that verse right before that we just spoke about right before it says, he who tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever lays down their life for me will find it. 
It's time for you to find a life, but the life that Jesus has designed for you, the God-given life, the God purpose. You want your soul to prosper? It's going to prosper with Jesus. So maybe it's your day to come home. Or maybe today's the day that you lay down your life. And then in that, you find so much more. You find the life you were supposed to live. A life with Jesus that is fulfilling, that is full of love and mercy and grace and all the things you think you've missed out on are available to you here and now. And so we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask that everybody in the room would pray it. But listen to me, the words are not as important as your heart posture. It's the moment where you say, nobody can make this decision in your heart. I need to lay my life down. That's a decision we make. All of us as individuals. And as we lay down our life, we find internal life in Jesus' name. And so all over this room, I just ask that you would repeat this prayer after me. And as we do, I believe somebody's stepping into new life in Jesus Christ. Just repeat this prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I receive you now as my leader and my Lord. I give you my past. I give you my present. And I place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. Forgive me of my sin and wash away my past. Make me a new person. I declare that today I am made new and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on. Can we celebrate? The Bible says to believe in your heart and confess it with your mouth. We're going to take a moment right now of confession. Because the moment that you make that decision to follow Jesus, the enemy wants you to keep that to yourself. This is not a walk we keep to ourselves. A relationship with a God who is going to take your life and turn it for good and walk with you all the days of your life. That's not a God that you keep in your closet. That's not a God you keep behind closed doors. That's a God that you let everybody know. Jesus is my leader. Jesus is my Lord. Who do I live for? And I honor and I worship Jesus. So right now we're going to count to three. And this is your first moment just to be bold. Maybe it was your coming home moment. Maybe the prodigal is home. Well, that's what? It's time to let everybody know today is my day of salvation or maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time can i tell you there's a party going on in heaven and the party's about to join in this room so on the count of three if that was you i want you to shoot your hand up boldly and online i want you to type jesus in all caps because today is your day come on anybody got some faith to believe that somebody's life just changed come on on the count of three one two three if that was you just lift your hand Come on, can we celebrate? We see you. Come on, we see you. Come on, we see you online. Can we welcome them to the family of God? Hey, thank you for joining us. And a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible. And you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening and God bless you.